0: Okay, so we're on to church number five in the 52 Churches Project, and this church was definitely not chosen at random. I really wanted to visit this church in Taylors, South Carolina, just outside of Greenville, because my brother Tom is the worship pastor there. And that said, even though my father had told me multiple times that I should watch uh, their service online, I never did. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Tom. And so I had literally no idea what to expect. and first i'll get to the easy stuff and that was that it was easy to find and great parking and there was a robust guest team and they actually had guest spots right up the front that said that painted on it said we care about guests now i gotta be honest with you if i was a guest i probably would feel too conspicuous (laughs) like parking there but it was super nice gesture and i'm sure that they get plenty empty when i when we got up there but i'm sure people love it anyway we attended the 9 a.m. traditional service and they do have a 1030 contemporary service and I really kind of regret not going to both but I can always do that again. So I am just talking about the experience from their 9 a.m. traditional service and before I get into that I'm kind of going to go to the side note and this is going to sound unrelated but I'm going to beg you as I often do, to bear with me because I promise this all ties in. And it will also help you to know a little bit more about my background and why I'm doing all of this. Uh, Before I got into ministry, I had a 20 plus year career as an employee and a consultant of Fortune 500 companies. And many of those years were spent doing what I love the most, and that's improving three things, processes, user and guest experience, and communications. And during that time, I was also a radio announcer. I owned my own business with my kids, like a food truck. <laughs> it wasn't like a food truck. It was a food truck with my kids. I was a managing editor of a, a local mom blog that a mom's blog that was a it was actually part of a national franchise, and I helped manage a team of writers. and Recently, from 2018 to the beginning of this year, 2022, I had been uh, on the leadership team of two different churches as director of communication. And now I'm back to being a consultant to help churches uh, far beyond those just here in my local city. And early in my career, I read this book um, about website design called Don't Make Me Think uh, by a guy named Steve Krug. And in a nutshell, the point of the whole thing was that a good website... And really good communications should just guide people intuitively to get the information they need as quickly and as easily as possible. And I know that's easier said than done. It certainly is with me. It's probably why I resonated with it because I tend to go on and on and on and on. (laughs) Anyway, it's a great goal, a great reminder. And what all that means is that because of that, because of my experience and because of what I've done in the past, I'm not a casual observer of processes or guest experience or communications of any kind. And I ask a lot of questions with that experience in mind. When I checked out Brushy Creek's website to find out the worship times, I noticed that the 1030 a.m. service had an acronym next to it. It said ASL. And considering that the last church i worked for had a really robust deaf ministry i should have known what that meant but i didn't and i texted my brother to ask and he said that stands for american sign language and i asked him if every service every ten thirty a.m service has a sign language interpreter and he said yep and he followed up and said that <laughs> quote we do and the person that does the sign language is unbelievable like just amazing so as a hearing person it just didn't it it didn't click to me um even though i had familiarity with that it didn't click for me what asl was and so i actually suggested to him that he should tell his communication team to hyperlink the acronym to their deaf ministry page so just make a link from ASL to the Deaf Ministry page because everyone, hearing or not, needs to know that it's a ministry of that church. I, I mean, I had the inside scoop. I could, a direct connection, I could just find the answer in a minute by texting my brother, but other people can't. <laughs> now, no one is a fan of over explaining, I get it, but that's why hyperlinks on websites are great because if I want more information, I can get it. If I don't, I just won't click the link. All organizations assume with great intentions that people know what all their terminology and acronyms mean, but people don't. And churches often assume that people are going to make the connection, but they don't. So if you're a pastor or you're on staff, you know, the bottom line is that you have great ministries happening and you're dedicating financial and people resources to make it happen. People are investing with their their money, their tithes. And so they need to know about all the things you're doing. So don't make people think. Don't make them think. Help provide that connection for them. Set up those links so that people can uncover all of the good work that is happening. And then, you know, if you're a, a guest or a member and you don't know what something means, speak up and ask because I guarantee you it means that other people are thinking the same thing. They don't know either. And you're going to be doing everybody a favor by mentioning it. And then staff back to you again when your guests and members ask you a question, you know, answer for them, and then consider how you might illuminate that information for other people. And, okay, so while we're on the topic of of websites, I'm going to do like a side note, side note, and say to pastors, staff, and church members, well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a question. Does your website have the most important information prominently prominently displayed? And I'm gonna say that I'll admit that at the churches where I worked on staff, we miss this. I miss this. No more, not on my watch. If we're going to double the church, we've gotta tell people how. And so what I'd love to see is that every church website has a prominent link that, that talks about the most important information. Who's Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? How do you get to know Jesus? What if I accept Jesus and what's the next thing that I do? How do I go deeper in my relationship with Jesus? I mean, there should be a page on every church's website that tells the church's Jesus story. And again, I'm not saying to over explain, but it also needs some thought. I've seen explanations about, you know, like our, um, here's our statement of beliefs and it's dry, so we've got all this great stuff on our websites, but we're not putting the main thing, which is it's about Jesus and why we're doing all of this in the first place. So for the love of Pete, <laughs> if you don't have this on your website, a well thought out Jesus story about why you love Jesus, why your church is here in the first place, because it is for Jesus, you know, it it's because of Jesus. And walking people through those steps man you need to have it so spend the time to get that done and as a matter of fact i've been thinking through my own statement of beliefs and try not to make it dry try to make it real and i'm going to put that on my website as a model for you so i'll put that on there and i'll let you know when it it gets up there and i'll put it in the comments okay all that said back to brushy creek okay and while we're on the topic of great communications, when we sat down, every chair had a Hershey's kiss and a business card with information about a marriage conference that's happening. Like, I don't know, like literally like nine months. I don't know if it's that far out, but it's like nine months out. And I've heard about other churches using business cards to promote events, but this is the first one I'd actually seen do it. And we're 20, we're 20 churches in now. I know this is just number five, but we've already visited 20 churches. And, they're the only people that I've seen do this. And I loved it. And I'll tell you why I'm a big fan because I can take that card and I can pop it in my wallet and I know it's there. Everybody's got a purse or a wallet. And then if I run into somebody that, that, I think needs to go to this right maybe i run into somebody who's like man i'm I'm really having a hard time with my my husband or my wife and or you know maybe they just need a boost in their marriage i just pop that thing out put it in their hand and that's how we start doubling the church that's how we do it it's this personal invitation and we do it by seeing needs and being prepared and equipped to meet them and that's what i i'm going to say this a million times we need to go from encouraging to equipping. Not, pastors, every 20 churches in, I see pastors continually encouraging people to do things, but they're not literally equipping them. And in this case, I mean, this is a simple thing. They're equipping them by giving them a card. And speaking of that, when I was on uh, staff at one of the churches, we created these business cards that, that um, church members could actually give to neighbors and people in the community. And this is kind of a strategy thing. We kept the back of the card blank and we requested that it have a matte finish so that people, instead of glossy, so that people could write a personal note, uh, share their name, their email, um, their phone number, something like that. And then we made these cards available and we encouraged people to use them. But what we should have done is, again, not encourage them, There should opportunity for somebody to stand on the stage and say, hey, this morning we've put this business card, this uh, business card for the church with, you know, whatever information on it. We have put one on each seat, pop that in your, uh, your wallet or your purse and have it available. And then pray for opportunities to use this as an invite for somebody that you know, uh, could really use <laughs> to come to church, uh, give it to somebody who really needs Jesus. So make the cards available. And beyond encouragement, Actually, put them in people's hands and equip them on how to use them. Okay. So, other notes I wrote there was a note that I wrote about forgetting relentless positivity. And I'm actually seeing that so much on social media lately this culture against something called toxic positivity, where, you know, we're just telling people that they have kind of a responsibility to be happy and upbeat. Well, I agree that w- there's a season and as a matter of fact in, in for church number four it was talking about getting stuck and our souls getting stuck in a in a uh, a season of mourning and grief when there is actually times for joy and dancing. and so the answer to this is relentless. I mean forget relentless positivity but this is relentless love and relentless peace and joy and hope and truth and that is that's not that's not this fake culture of relentless positivity that is legit real joy hope and peace that comes from knowing Christ so anyway that was a that was one of the notes from the sermon that one of the takeaways um Another thing that I noticed was that the pastor used humor. I love it when when pastors do that. It keeps things kind of light. Uh I don't know if that's really a note that anybody cares about. <laughs> and if that's helpful, but I don't know there's something just kind of engaging when people when a pastor can use uh humor. And I'm talking too much. I'm going I'm going on and on and on. Uh, this church had a huge, plain, huge, huge plain stage, plain white stage, and the lighting that they used completely changed the look. And so I just want to note that paint and infrastructure changes aren't always necessary, that lighting, and I won't say that lighting is inexpensive, but it's probably a much less expensive way to create Ambiance, you know, for your worship, than doing all sorts of painting or infrastructure changes to your facility. So that's just a side note. Um, The pastor's message was based on Matthew six twenty four through thirty four, and it was a warning against worry. Not to let it consume or capture us, and again, I mentioned that the previous week in in church number four that they were talking about not letting uh not letting your soul be consumed or captured or stuck in in um grief, right, and so this is not let <laughs> so now this week it was don't be consumed or captured by worry, and that the there's what's the point to this? The point is that when we ruminate on the negative, it magnifies our worry when what we should be doing is magnifying the Lord. And I'll, I'll tell you just a side note that I was uh, on a, a, a team many years ago called Pursuing My Vital Ministry at a church. And it was a two-year process. And during that process, something that really stuck with me was the concept of magnifying the Lord. It kind of just like hit me as a revelation that when you have a magnifying glass and you're looking at something up close, everything in your periphery is then out of, of your vision and you really only see the thing that you're focused on. That is what it means to magnify the Lord. When we magnify the Lord, when we focus our attention on Him, It's to get rid of the distractions, and it is just not healthy to ruminate on, I don't care what it is, uh, the worries of your family or politics or the world, there are real worries and there are real things that we need to do about it. We don't, we're not able to take care of ourselves, our families, our communities, our world when we are just stuck in worry. So I get the questions that he said, you know, he reminded us to say, you know, will worry help us do better? What is it going to help us to grow and thrive? Or is worry destructive? I mean, you know the answers to this. So personally, I could hear that message again and again, (laughs) like week after week. That's why I love church because church constantly has these messages over and over each week that are so counterculture, so different than what we're hearing from from the news and from culture and it has such personal application and and implications for our family and our communities i mean for me i I even worry as i prepare like a video like this i want it to make an impact but what if it doesn't you know what if nobody cares what if nobody listens to it here's the deal talk that stuff out with my husband i get on my knees and i pray and i don't stay there in the worry even though I know it's going i mean those those thoughts come into my mind a hundred times a day and then it's like out and I tell you what I used to be an incredibly i mean I still have anxiety, but I used to be an incredibly like i would be paralyzed by anxiety got counseling, and over time i i am i am able as the anxiety enters in to say no, and most of that is because the counseling I got was. Christian counseling that empowered me to work against the anxiety by magnifying God by focusing on him and then the worry falls away and the passion and the charisma are able to return and the spirit that God has given us is not one of fear but of power of love and a sound mind and I love that and I like to remember that often so anyway To sum up on that my own thoughts were that when we remember who god is it solves most things okay and then after the service i walked down to the front to say hi to my brother and on the way down the aisle an older member made eye contact with me and said hello briefly and then we went to the front and a few minutes later there that guy was back again and he said he hadn't recognized us so he came back to say hello and that meant a lot that's really a nice thing to do so i really appreciate that and you know my brother couldn't stick around so i beelined it back to the lobby where they've got this awesome coffee shop with free coffee uh, a wall bookstore and i just leaned against the wall and was taking it all in and while i was standing there i noticed that the pastor was making the rounds before the next service and he eventually passed my way and he made it he made an intentional stop with me and said hello and he introduced himself and then i introduced myself as tom's little sister which he did not know (laughs) and we chatted for a minute And then he moved on, but I really appreciated that too. And it it meant a lot. So um, I haven't mentioned worship yet, but when we walked into the service, my niece was singing and that was just beautiful. And my brother led worship. And that was, of course, incredibly meaningful to me personally. And beyond that, you know, Brushy Creek, I I was just thinking how blessed they are to have him and his family and how blessed my brother is to be part of such a really thriving church. Uh, I mean, he and his wife, are both Juilliard-trained vocalists. They're tremendously talented. And another thing that I have always hoped um, that would rub off on me that my brother does so well is his ability to work with and develop talent um, and pull together talent to create something together that is just beautiful. And forgive the painfully obvious tie-in here, and it really is, but it really did remind me of the body of Christ and that when we're focused like on the the worship leader or the instructor, right, Uh, what we can all do when we're focused, what we can do together uh, when we're in harmony together. And so it might be cheesy, but it's true. So this was yet another Sunday uh, with another opportunity to worship with with family, with family that I don't even know. That's my church family. Another message that was filled with wisdom, it was another Sunday designed to help the people who were there to worship, to grow, to love, to thrive, to serve God, uh, serve others. And all of that helps grow Jesus's church. And before I let you go, I just have one last question and this is really tied to the the effort to double the church in America. And I want to ask you, do you, do you know how to share your personal Jesus story? If somebody was to ask, if I was to say, how did you come to know Jesus? Uh, what would your life be like? What do you think your life would be like if you didn't know Jesus? Um, what does your future, what's your future look like because you know Jesus? Why do you think other people uh, should know Jesus? And how would I get to know Jesus? What, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to have the hope and the joy and the peace in my life like you do? Would you be able to answer those questions? And if you wouldn't, you really need to think through those things. And you can actually go to uh, churchtimes2.com. And I've got a, a PDF there that you can just like look at that's got the questions on it. But pastors, this is where you need to come in. I hear you encouraging every single week, 20 weeks in. I hear you encouraging people to grow the church and to share their story and you encourage all of that. But there's a difference, again, between encouraging and equipping. And so that's what is going to move the church forward is making sure, first of all, that people are equipped to tell their story. And the second thing is that are you, and I'll ask you this question too, are you praying for your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, people in your community? Are you praying that you have opportunities to share your story? Well, you probably, if you don't know your story, you're probably not praying that. So what, what needs to happen is that you need to really understand your story, spend time to think about it. It's important. And then you need to begin praying for people in your community and specific people uh, that come to mind for you. And you need to pray for opportunities to share your story with them and, or, a, 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 the chance to invite them to church with you. And so that I call that the A-list. Your A-list is always praying for a list. It's a, a list of people that just, you can keep it in your Bible. You can keep it next to your bedside table. You can tape it up on your mirror at home, but this is a list of people that you're consistently thinking about who you want to be able to talk to um, about Jesus and the way he's transformed your life. And and I want you to think about the why of this. I want to remind you of the impacts that it can make. If, If Jesus has transformed your life, don't you want Jesus to transform the lives of other people? And I know that the culture doesn't think that they need Jesus, but they do. And it is good news, and so, you need to write down your, your A list. Again, go to churchtimes2.com. There's an A list there. You can print it out. I'm actually going to try to get that into a format where you can just do it online too. And it'll just email you with the information, but these are really important parts of, of doubling the church. And I'm going to be talking about that frequently. So again, learn more at either churchtimes2.com or go to 52 churches. As always, if there's anything I do for you, If there's any insights that I've left out that you would like to know, if these are going too long, if it's too short, if you'd like in a different format, let me know. I'm here for you. And I am convinced that we can double the church together. Thanks.